One of my favorite things about God is you could spend all this past week in bondage, enslaved to sin, and then you show up here and the moment you turn to him, you're like, oh, you're there, and he's there. Like our God's good. So I just want to kind of turn us back to where we were just there, like this joyous and this worship, and we're going to get into the word of God, and I hope the same thing happens. Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, he's there, because he's all over it. But I just want to pause for a second. I just want to pray. And you're like, haven't we been doing it? Yeah, but I just like talking to God. So, and I think I want him to speak to you more than you want me to speak to you. I promise. So if you would, with Jesus, once again, you're, you're, you're more than welcome in this room. Inhabit this place. Rule the very air. Make this a place where the dominion and the rule of God are clearly seen. Kingdom of heaven, explode on the scene. You are gracious. You are gentle. You are full of mercy, God. So King Jesus, may we see you today. May we see you. As like with our open eyes, may we see the King of glory for who he is and the invitations he's extending. And I pray many sons and daughters would be free in the name of Jesus today. Amen? Amen. I'm on the front of the stage. Got to stand up. Let's do this. Uh, Book of Numbers, chapter 15. We went to 1 to 14 this past two weeks ago in our reading plan. We did 15 to 27. So I had just an armada of things I could yell about. Instead, I picked an obscure verse that's one verse long that should drive some of us crazy and I think irks us a little bit. Uh, And the reason that it irks us is because it seems unfair. Uh, but before we continue, I just want to lay the groundwork that we're in this reading plan for two years, not so you can tie yourself religiously to reading the Bible like a chain, but that you will go to this living like fountain and eat of it every day and find Jesus every day. So go there. I, and if you miss a day, please give yourself some slack. God is not against you if you missed Numbers chapter 17. You'll be okay. Circle back maybe. But God loves you. God, our God has got a grace that's inviting everybody in this room into in, like relationship with him, okay? And when you read numbers, when I read numbers, it reads like a cautionary tale. Does anybody know what a cautionary tale is? It's a tale, usually it's made up, it's like folklore of basically like, don't do this because it'll end up like this. I, I believe like the boy who cried wolf is a cautionary tale. Like, don't be that kid because snitches get stitches. You know, like... like He's not really a snitch, but don't, don't be the guy that like cries out danger when there isn't danger because bad things will happen. The, the scorpion and the frog, that's a cautionary tale. Like you, you see what I mean? Except in this cautionary tale, it really happened. And there is a living God who is very much present today that wants to kind of warn us of like, this is what my people did. Because all, all the time I was reading this week, I was like, why did Moses put this in there? It all feels like just like horrible decisions on God's people's part. And so if you're here and you're like, I've made horrible decisions all week, welcome to the family. Because we make horrible decisions sometimes. And then God comes in and he, and he kind of punishment and disciplines us, but he always calls us back. And you're going to see him call us back over and over and over. And so Moses wrote the book of Numbers, I believe, to kind of warn future generations, don't be like your moms and your dads and your grandpas and your grandfathers. Because they weren't even allowed to enter into the very promised land of God because of their behavior. And some of you, I think God's called every one of you to some amazing things for the kingdom of God. Some of you will not enter into them for a while because you're too busy acting like the Israelites, disobeying, rebelling, complaining, being full of pride. And so the sooner as a people, we learn these lessons of let's humble ourselves. Let's cry out. The ones that are hungry, they get fed. The ones who are thirsty, they get, they get drank. 
That's not a real good word, but you don't understand. And even the, the New Testament points to this lesson. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, you don't even have to go there. It says, as, as has been just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. The writer of Hebrews is pointing to what we're reading. He's going, today, when you hear the active, present voice of God calling you to repent, calling you to come forward, calling you to lay down some stuff in your life, don't rebel like they did. Listen. And so my belief is that this is the day of the Lord, that the living, resurrected Jesus Christ is going to present himself to all of you. I think God gives us all a chance. And he's going to ask you to maybe trust him with some part of your life that you haven't so far. And I'm hoping that you don't puff up in rebellion, but that you humble yourself and you let God lift you up. You let God remove that sin. You let Jesus, the living son of God, the resurrected one, come in and bring life where you don't think only death can live. So as we get into Numbers, grab a Bible. Numbers 15, like I said, we're going to come up to a verse about a man uh, in verse 32 who's going to forfeit his life for gathering sticks. You're like, that seems a little harsh, right? And he's going to literally be stoned to death because he's gathering sticks, and we're going to learn about why. And I say it's a stumbling block verse because you're like, man, I don't understand. Is God still a God of wrath? Is the Old Testament God the same God as the New Testament God? What about Jesus and grace and love and fairy dust? Like, that's how we treat Jesus sometimes. And the title of this sermon, if you want to know up front, is Sin Still Has a Consequence. So you're under grace, Christian. You're not under the law. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's none. Literally, the wrath was poured out. It's gone. But if you're actively walking in sin right now and you're a Christian, you will belong to Jesus. You say out loud, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you are living for your old master's sin and death and Satan, God would have harsh words to say for you. And we don't like to talk like this. It makes us nervous. You're like, oh, here he goes. He's going to turn into one of those red-faced preachers that are like, I'm not. But hell is real. Heaven is real. The judgment seat of God is real. And if we don't, aren't careful, we, we'll just kind of casually follow Jesus instead of what I believe Jesus wants. He wants all of you. Every drop, even the dark stuff, so that he can make it beautiful stuff. So as we look at Numbers 15 32, here's the context. God saved his people out of slavery, Prince of Egypt style, 10 plagues, Red Sea. They're walking out, lit. they're walking towards the promised land. They mouth off, complain against God. He's like, you're not going in now for at least 40 years. So they walk around the desert. They make a whole bunch more complaining and grumbling. God does a lot of crazy stuff. There's some snakes, some ground swallowing some people, light stuff for kids, you know? And then you get to 1532, and you get this one sentence, this one verse that I just want to study at, I want to stare at today. And while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Not a big deal. It doesn't sound like a big deal, right? It's the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day? We've talked about this. This is the day that God commanded that they would rest, that they wouldn't work, and they would trust God to work for them. They would trust in the things that God was doing to make them right before him. So the sacrifices and all the animals and all that stuff, they were like, we're not going to do anything. We're God's people. We're going to rest in that. So you find a man on the Sabbath day in the wilderness who's gathering sticks. Now, I can guess 
that if we had a big storm, many of you, even on a Sunday, would gather, pick up sticks, right? You, you, you probably, I mean, not, you might go home after this and there might be a stick in your driveway. I'm gonna guess you're gonna go pick it up. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just like, ah, run it over. Okay, so what happens next? Numbers 15, verse 33. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him in custody because it had not yet been made clear what should be done to him. And the Lord said to Moses, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. And all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him to death with stones as the Lord commanded Moses. So they put him to death over some yard work. Does that seem fair? Is that what you want? You want to do that today? I'm going to actually put spies on all of your lives. If you pick anything up after this service, I'm going to stone you. Are you like, the Lord commanded this, right? So in our 2020 minds in, in America, looking at scripture, we're like, this doesn't compute with me. And then on top of that, you put about 2,000 years of like just grace-filled, Jesus-filled language that's, all, that's been semi-lovified, like graceified, and there's love and grace in Jesus. And I feel like we miss the weight of what Jesus saved us from. And so why put him to death? Why? Because Moses had told the people repeatedly in Exodus, even repeatedly in Leviticus, he's kind of reminding them over and over again, the Lord. And when you in your Bible see L-O-R-D and it's capitalized, that is the name of God that Jews would not speak out loud. So they had this understanding that God was other, God was different, God was set apart, God was, you don't play around with holy God. We don't, they don't even say his name. So when the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says, on the Sabbath, don't do anything. They're like, we should not do anything. Except it seems like they are just dead set on doing exactly what God told them not to do or distrusting what they've already seen God do. So if you watch God burn like a pillar of fire every morning as you walk out of your house, wouldn't you think you'd be like, I'm gonna listen to him today. But they just don't over and over and over again. And once again, wouldn't you think those filled with the very spirit of God would wake up every morning and be like, I think I'm going to listen to him today. And then we don't over and over and over and over again. And this is why they put him to death. In Exodus 35, this is what Moses said, said the Lord had said. These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day, you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. So if Moses ends in verse two in Exodus, that guy's good. But it almost feels like when God told Moses this, he had this guy picking up sticks in his mind. He's like, I'm gonna put in there all this work, even if you shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath. So this is what I noticed out of this guy. And this is why I think he's the typical person in this room, even me. me. What's the root of all of our sins? Like when you disobey God, what's the root? And so think about that because that's, I think, the heart of where God wants to connect to us today. This man, I believe, knew what God had asked him not to do and did it anyway. You ever done that? All right, put it outside of the realm of God. 
Growing up, we're all old enough. Some of us are still kids, but you ever have your parents tell you to do something and then you immediately did the very thing they told you not to do? My kid just went, yes. What is that? What is that? What's that response, right? Even as parents now, you did that as a kid probably, right? And then you had someone really snarkily come up to you, like point at one of your kids and be like, this is God's justice on you. As if payback for how you treated your parents. So we have a God who we call Father. He tells us things to do or not do. Don't do this. I mean, even Jesus comes and he says, you've heard it said, don't murder people. But if you look at someone with anger or judgment over them, you're murdering them in your heart. So God told us what not to do. Don't murder people in your heart. How you doing? Did somebody just say terrible? I like the honesty. I like it. I can point it, even Jesus comes and he says, you heard it said, don't look at a woman that you're not married to. Like, don't, like, don't, don't commit adultery. So don't sleep with people you're not married to, gentlemen, okay? It's a good rule. Jesus escalates that and says, but if you look at her lustfully, you're committing adultery in your heart. So Jesus told us what not to do. How are you doing? Don't say not wonderful right now. I don't need the confession. I know you're not. And this is why we need to not look at the Old Testament as if, oh, but we're doing good. We wouldn't complain. We would, and we do. And so Moses, right here, I believe this man, it wasn't because he wasn't listening. I don't think that he didn't understand. I, I think really what this comes down to um, is he committed a sin of willful di- disobedience, basically like a middle finger to the Lord. And I know you could do that to a guy on the street and he might just like kept walking or might punch you. You do that to a God who's holy, infinite, beyond you, it doesn't end up well for you. And the cool thing is, as I don't think God is actually hovering over these people just waiting for them to trip up. And I'll tell you why. Go to Numbers 15, verse 22. But if you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses, so what he's about to do, we're going to read it, he's going to lay out, if you mess up on accident and you don't even know it, here's what you do. And this is why I say I don't think God's up there like, I'm going to make it so easy for them to mess up and then I'm going to burn them. That's not our God. That's not the God of the Bible ever, even in the Old Testament. And I feel like we pit the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not. This is God going, if you mess up, and it was unintentional. It was the sin of omission. This is my boy, uh, Mark Driscoll, coming out. Omission, commission. So you can sin in many ways, but there's primarily two. You can omit stuff. You can just not do the things God asks you to do. It's still sin. You might not have known it, but you did it. And then there's sin of commission, where God says, don't do this, and you're like, it's a prideful act, you know what I mean? So oh, you, some of you are omitting things God wants for you, and I think there's grace and mercy in that. There's grace and mercy for the Israelites. And then I think some of you, God's told you and calling you, even wooing you from things right now, and you are pridefully, pridefully and arrogantly going, I'm gonna do it anyway, which is the root of all humanity. Pride. Pride. That's my answer to the root sin of all sins. Pride. It is the thing that comes out in every sin on the planet. Why do men seek other women they're not married to? Pride. They think way higher of them themselves than they should. They think way higher of their appetites than they should. Why do we lie? Pride. We want to look good. Why do we talk back to our parents, kids? Pride. 
We want to rule. We don't want to be told what to do. Be quiet, mom. You're not like, ah, like that. Then you're like, should have done that. I'm sorry, right? Pride. And so he continues. God makes provision for unintentional sinning. Then, verse 24, chapter 15. Then if it was done intentionally, without the knowledge of the congregation, all the congregation shall offer one bull from the herd for a burnt offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord, with it grain offering and drink offering according to the rule, and one male goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for all the congregation of the people of Israel, and they shall be forgiven. Because it was a mistake. And they have brought their offering, a food offering to the Lord, and a sin offering before the Lord for their mistake. And all the congregation of the people of Israel shall be forgiven. And the stranger who sojourns among them, because the whole population was involved in the mistake. Did you know that their sin could affect the whole community? Did you know that your sin sometimes bleeds over onto other people? Husbands, the way that you talk to your wife sinfully affects your kids. So that's why the Lord's like, when you treat your wife with contempt, your prayers are hindered. That's weighty, is it not? No one talks about this because they're all like, and then we just want to skip around and go, grace. But there is grace, but you have to acknowledge the sin. That's why I'm like, humble yourself, men and women of God. Lay yourselves low. Say, God, I acknowledge that I am just like these men and women. Unintentionally and intentionally, I do things every day of my life. And I constantly come to God and I'm like, I am sorry. Give me a new heart. Did you notice that I didn't say, let me try harder? That does come. That does come. I do want to join the Lord in the work he's doing. But the first step is my heart is sinful. My heart wants me to be on the throne. But as a Christian, who's on the throne of my heart, Christian? You say, Jesus, you're in church. Jesus is. Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And my decisions now are fueled not by sinful self, but by the very spirit of God. So not flesh, but spirit. Not Andrew, but Jesus. And so that fight, you all feel that fight on a daily basis? You can just say, yes, I know that you do. And they see it, and God makes, like, makes a way. I don't think he wanted anybody dying over honest mistakes. So if you're just walking on the Sabbath, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's a stick, and you kind of just like pick it up and are hitting something with it, because that's what you know, people do. I don't know what this is, but you know what I mean? You're doing that. I don't think God's like, fire, you know? Honest mistake, wasn't thinking, wasn't trying to dishonor God. I did step over, omitted something he didn't want me to do. He didn't want me doing anything that was work. But these people did understand they would be executed. I mean, execution is what stoning is, correct? They would be executed for deliberate crimes against God. So if you look at God and you go, you're holy, you are mighty, you're the creator of all things, and you told me not to do this, and then you go, I'm going to do it. Do you not think judgment comes? Do you not think there's a weight or a cost to that? If there's universal, holy laws, and I'm not talking about laws in a book. I'm talking about God has decreed things, that when sin, sin inhabits a human being, they can't be in his presence. That's a law. That's a written rule. That's a thing that's tangible. You can't come in before a holy God with sin because you'll die. This is why Jesus is so good. This is why it's such good news. This is why when you bring it into a New Testament understanding and I look at some of you, I'm like, why are you playing with sin, God's people? Why are you making cozy and making it a pet? 
This is why I tell guys, college guys primarily, when they come and tell me what they're looking at, I'm like, this is why I tell them. Open up the window right next to your desk. Grab your MacBook, because you're Miami kids, you probably have a MacBook. Take it like this, both hands, grip it firm with one of these. Chuck it. And they're like, what, my MacBook? And I'm like, what, the holiness of God? And then go get a, a pickaxe and put it through the MacBook. And they're like, well, what? that costs a lot. I'm like, well, hell sucks, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see the, the weight of this? You're God's holy people. That's the title over you. Holy people. A people set apart, which is the word holy, when you start breaking it down. You are set apart for the holy work of God. Not like just in noble uses, for the noble use of God, the king of glory. And he wants to fill you with that glory. And I think the root right now is God wants to show his glory off in some of y'all's lives, but you're too busy sitting in the dirt playing with old sins. And he's like, do you want me to free you from that? And your reply up to this point, some of you is, no, I'd rather live with my girlfriend. I'd rather go to Brick Street and drink too much and then go, grace. I don't know why that, but you, you see how it gets kind of foolish when you, when you put it in perspective? So these, these people in the Old Testament, they understood they understood wholeheartedly what happens when you intentionally disregard God. So I say thank God for the cross and grace because if we were still there, let's say you walked in here this morning and you sang, you're worthy of it all, God, everything, all the glory. But in the back, in your hut, in your tent, you were like doing something shady, the ground would probably open up and swallow you up. And then we would all be like, I'm not going near his tent. Like, that is the Old Testament understanding. You know why the cross is such good news? Because what should happen to me and my family when we shake our fist at God and intentionally walk the other way is snakes should come and we should die. That's in the numbers too. You're like, snakes? Where that come? It's in numbers. Just keep reading. The ground should swallow us up. We should get ill. Fire consumes part of the camp. These are all the examples throughout this book that these people understood. Numbers 15 and this is the, the, the I'm going to attach it to the New Testament here in a second. In Numbers 15, verse 30, it tells us what the issue is with this man and where I want you to actually hear the word of God today. It says, the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. So the question you should be asking, what's, what's with a high hand? What is that? Is that when I sin with my hand up here? What is a high-handed person? It's a pride-filled person, a haughty person, a person that's like, I don't know, I don't know about the high hand, but you know what I mean? You're doing things from a state of I'm better, I know better than God, I know what I've been told, but I'll do it anyway. Pride is the root cause of even the fall. Adam and Eve, right? They knew God told them not to eat. They knew God had said, Satan comes in and twists it, but it's not Satan's fault. They are deceived and then make a choice. But the choice is still theirs. So you have a choice today, people of God. Put away your sin and your flesh. Let God cut it off and then fill you, regenerate you, make you a new thing 
and fill you full of his holiness, call you to holy things. And that won't be like right today. It's not like a, a magic angel beam. And it's, oh, I'm good now. I'll never be tempted again. You'll have choices the rest of your life. This week, gentlemen, when you're driving and there's the girl jogging, you will have a choice to make. Men, do you know what I'm talking about? You will either look or you'll go, I choose holiness and wreck your car. You know, I will look this way or I'll look this way. And you're like, well, it would be worth it. And then Jesus talks about this. It's better to like cut off your hand if it causes you to sin. It's better to gouge out one of your eyes. This is the language. Don't gouge any eyes or cut any hands off. But he's going, holiness in the people of God is of uttermost importance. And the call of God on this church, I want to see a move of God. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see when what kind of started to happen at the beginning of service today. A holy God shows up in this room. Half of us will be terrified. You know why? Because we didn't listen to the voice of the Lord when we heard it. We'd ignored it. When you go, well, I'm going to spend the next five years doing what I want, and I'm going right now. If you hear God calling, put away your sin in Jesus. Deal with it. And I think Moses tells this story because he doesn't want the future generations walking in pride. He wants them humbly, just, Lord, I, we trust you, even when it doesn't make sense. God, we're your people. And, and I have example after example after example, but this is what I feel led to do. Just, let's just get rid of half these notes and go to the end. Pride works in that it rejects the wisdom of God. Pride works in that it refuses to listen. It refuses to wait. It refuses to hope. It refuses to trust. This is the pride of humanity. And I know most of us, I'm like, are you prideful? Like, I don't know. I'm actually pretty humble. Naturally, we, pride's a very hard thing to see. And I want to help diagnose your pride. And I don't really know if I can sit here all day and just sit with you and be like, and then have like a little pride bell or not pride bell. But if you're in any deep relationships, Christians, and you should be, ask your friends. Ask your brothers or sisters in Christ. Give them the freedom to tell you. Husbands, look your wife in the eyes and go, do you see any pride in me? Because what I want to do is I just want to offer you a few warnings from Scripture, and then we're going to respond right back in worship. Because pride, it, I mean, it, pride picks up sticks when God says rest. Pride says, I'll figure it out when God says, cast all your anxiety on me. Like pride is like the, the very thing that keeps a people from walking into the thing that God wants them to walk into. It's like a stubborn donkey. And so faith, it doesn't work on its own. It doesn't even work in its own strength. We work in resting and relying on God to give us a new heart. So here's what I'd like to do. I have three scriptures. I want you to write them down. But before we write them down, I just want you to put your books away. Stop. You can stop taking notes. Just Can we go right back to like if you had those horse blinder things on and you could just see Jesus? And if you need to, close your eyes. Jesus, I invite you here. Holy Spirit, come and minister the word of God to the hearts of the people. Convict, discipline, tweak. We humble ourselves before you, a holy God, and you're here. 
I don't want to play games with you, Jesus. I don't want to talk about you on a Sunday and then deny you on a Wednesday. And so, Lord, would you speak clearly to all your kids in this room and those that maybe even feel far away from you, would you just silence the voice of the accuser? There's no oppression. There's no bondage. There's no sin that Jesus can't remove. Make this a holy moment. Invade this space. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we talk about what is the appropriate reaction, if you're seeing pride in your heart, you repent, number one. You acknowledge it. You go, God, I see that. I don't want it. I deny it. I walk away from it. I will live differently. You repent, and then you ask for a new heart. Because I don't know this. You know this about you. You can't actually change your heart. You can change your behavior, which is what some of you, why you hate church or so you have friends that hate church is because they came to a church and they were like, let's modify some behavior. And then they made a pie chart or a graph and they said on type A'ers, typed aid, how to be moral and holy. That's not how it works. God makes a new man or a new woman from the inside out. So if you want to be holy, if you do not want pride, you look the God of heaven and earth in the eyes through his son Jesus and you go, make me holy like you are. Make my heart new. Make it beat for what yours does. Make the word a home in me. Spirit of God, crucify my flesh. That's how you get holy. Not, I am gonna willpower this thing. That'll last about a month. Some of you are really, so six months. And then the temptation will get too much and you'll fall. Then you'll feel full of shame. Then you'll do it all over again after you figure out how to pull yourself up. But that's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is I am full of pride. Half the time I don't walk by faith. Some of the times I look at the girl running. You're like, can he say that? I did. Sometimes I am inclined and tempted in ways that are not holy. But without the Lord giving me a new heart, I am not going to make it. So if you see pride, today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, do not rebel as they did in the wilderness. Listen. Listen. Respond. Move. So I don't think today is the time to say like, excellent points, pastor. Good sermon, buddy. Like, I don't need it. The Spirit of God is doing a work in this body to purify us for a move of God. Without holiness, you will not see God. That's scripture, not Andrew, by the way. Without holiness, you won't see God. So some of you guys, some of you women, are begging to see God. And you know why you're not? Because you're not living a holy life. So kill your sin. See God. Be blessed. When it pops back up, kill your sin. See God. Be blessed. Repeat. On repeat till eternity. So I want to give you three verses, and I'll stop talking. Write them down, read them later. But Romans 6, verse 1 to 2. And I just felt like the Lord was like, just read my word, it's enough. And I was like, great. So I will not be expounding. I'm going to leave you with three scriptures, and then we're going to respond however you feel God leading you. And if that's to come lay your life right here on this altar, great. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin 
still live in it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The word of the Lord. Those three scriptures, Romans 6, 1 John 1, and James 4. And I could have picked about 40 40 more, which all call God's people to be a wholly set-apart people. And so I don't know how you came in here. I don't know if you claim the title Christian, but I'll talk to the Christians first. If you're a Christian in this room and you're playing around with sin, it will consume you. You will be found out. And I would prefer you found out today than the day that you stand before a throne. Now, God is good and his judgments are true, but he never said, I want my people to play around with the world. He said in the world, but he didn't say of it. And so I have a call to you Christians, come and receive holiness from the Lord. And that's going to take a couple things. Number one, humility. A laying low. Like, Lord, I am broken without you. Help give me a new heart. And I think it requires action. I think it requires you to come and lay yourself before the Lord, physically even. To say to a prayer counselor, I confess my sin. That I say out loud, I have a problem with porn or drugs or drinking or what I do or what I say. I gossip all the time. Say it out loud. Rob it of its power. Because what Satan loves to do, get you by yourself. Convince you you have the power to deal with your sin and then you stuff it. And then it happens again and you're like, oh, it'll, it won't, I'll just make some more willpower changes. It won't happen and then you stuff it. Today's the day. Today, if you hear the voice of the Lord, Respond. Today, the Lord is calling you to put down your sin and step into the holy life that Jesus died to give you, and it's powerful, it's effective. To crucify your flesh and not be a friend of the world anymore, not look at your sin and go, grace, but to go, let me put to death what Jesus died to put to death. Do the work. And if you're not a Christian in this room, you're like, I knew Christians were just all about sin and wrath. In the face of Jesus Christ, there's more grace than you or body could handle right now. So Jesus comes, right? And I'm called by God to live a life that's pure and holy, walk with God. But I never did. You know who did perfectly? Jesus did. So Jesus lives this perfect life, never breaks any law, never unintentionally, never commits a sin, no, doesn't omit anything. He lives it perfectly before God his Father. And then he, what does he do? He says to his disciples, I am going to go to the cross to pay for yours, which is the best news, which is the application of a new covenant, a new law. So if we were under the Old Testament, we are probably all stoned by this time. With the rocks, not with the, okay, cool. Shouldn't make drug jokes at the end of it. You know. Jesus does this. He goes to the cross. That happened in history. Jesus dies a death, and at the end of it, he goes, it's finished. 
What is finished? The law is finished. The wrath is finished. The payment is accepted. Therefore, you don't have to try harder. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pretty yourself up and go, look, I'm not sinful while you're just rubbing the mud of sin all over yourself like a kid. Come to Jesus. And the God that created you, you'll meet him in the eyes and the face of the Lord. And you give him your sin. You give him your rebellion. You give him your pride. And in exchange, he gives you righteousness, holiness, and relationship with God. So this is how we're going to end. I'm going to pray, and as I'm praying, the band's coming. Actually, band, just come here right now. There is a call I already actually put out. And so if you just want to bow your head just to get in a place where you don't, aren't distracted, the band will start playing when they're ready. But if you're in here and you're a Christian and we sang, God, you're worthy of it all, and we looked at God's word and it said, be careful that pride isn't this, this hidden thing in your life and you feel pride or you feel that prod from the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you Christians to come and kneel. Come and lay your life before the Lord. Lay yourself low and acknowledge it. You're like, well, the people will see. Forget people for a second, okay? You can go ahead, Dick. And then if you're in here and you're not a Christian yet, you haven't said yes to Jesus. You haven't said, Lord, replace my life with yours. Jesus, give me a new heart. And you want to do that? I would love to just get like an elder or two on each side of this. And they would love to talk to you, answer any questions. You'll notice I'm not saying, let's say a prayer together. I'm saying, come to Jesus and give him your life. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, you know what? I've searched my heart a lot. And you know, I try to stay humble. I just, I'm so hungry for God. And if that's you, there's just this invitation from God today. And I heard this repeatedly as I was writing the sermon, an invitation from God to satisfy your soul, to satisfy you. The like itch you have in the back of your mind, like I can't be, Jesus satisfies. So as they start to sing, and you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to walk. I want you to run up here and just throw yourself at the feet of the Lord. And then people will be praying for you. People will be talking about how to know Jesus on the side. And if you're out there and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I need to move. I don't feel any pushing. That's fine. From this point on, till everybody leaves this room, we're not going to say goodbye ever past this point. This room is the Lord's. So whatever you do in here, you're doing before a living God. So if you're going to talk, do it out there. If you're going to seek the Lord and worship and pray, respond to God who's here. If you hear his voice, respond. We would love to help you. Jesus, you're the king. Already today, your goodness has been all over this morning. And so we bless your holy name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who will always be. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the Lord of hosts, the great I am, the one who takes sinful men and women and makes them righteous. So Holy Spirit, would you put out a call right now to every woman in the room, every man in the room, 
come. May your invitation to satisfy go out. We respond, Lord, to your word. And so we humble ourselves and we repent. Forgive us, Lord, of our sin. And give us a new heart. So church, I leave you there to respond to the word however you see fit. To respond to the spirit of God calling however you see fit. And you can leave when you want or need to. Like I said, everything past this point's whatever the Lord wants. Listen to him. <laughs>